When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Sports Day for Kia, the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's large SUV, available now at your nearest Kia Welcome dealer. To Sports Day, the summer edition of Sports Day SA on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Uh, my name's Paul Bonzer. Alongside me, the coach of the Norwood Football Club, Jade Rawlings. Twig, welcome back. Thanks very much, Bonds. Good to be here. How's your week been? Uh, pretty good. Uh, warm. Like everyone else's, it's a bit hot out there. Just they've saved the real big week for the last week of summer. Yeah, that's it. Uh, we got a big show. We're going to talk about the Sheffield Shield. Uh, the Redbacks didn't have a great day today, but we'll speak about it anyway. Um, I want to ask you about the AFL bringing in four umpires. Uh, we got a couple of really good guests. Uh, we got some assistant coaches tonight from the Adelaide Footy Club. James Raleigh, he's the forward coach. We're going to speak to him and someone who you've worked closely with as well uh, from the Geelong Footy Club, Matthew Egan. Yeah, great personal friend and quality human as much as a great coach. And yeah, he got the opportunity to get back down to Geelong once Steve Hocking became the CEO and uh, had a very rewarding and enjoying year last year, enjoyable year, I should say, with the premiers. But there's a lot of young players at Geelong, probably underestimated how many they actually have on their list compared to the perception of what people think they might have. Yeah, looking forward to chatting to both those guys and see the perception of the assistant coach rather than speaking to the players or the head coach. Let's let's hear from those guys. They are good interviews, the assistant coaches, because mm. they work so closely with individuals. So you can hear the tone of voice when you can really feel someone's growing because of the work that coach has done with them. So they'll be both great guys to talk to, good experienced footy people. You can be part of the show as well. You can text in on 0427 154 or give us a call, 1300 736 736. That's 1300 736 736. <laughs> uh, all right. It's time for the hot topic. Thanks to Char Time, the home of freshly brewed tea. Thirsty at Char Time, explore our ready made signature drink range inspired by Char Time fan faves. Sports Day SA. On Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Redbacks were playing Victoria over the last few days, or the last three days, and uh, they had a great start. Bowl Victoria out for 169 on a wicket that was doing a little bit. Matt Short made 70, uh, Wes Agar Pfeiffer in the first innings, then got bowled out for 114, and Fergus O'Neill from Victoria, 4 for 28. Victoria, who were 5 for 90, Five for 95, I reckon they were, and they ended up making 312 on the back of more runs to Matt Short, 119. How well is he going, Matt Short? Oh, it's incredible. I don't generally align white ball form to red ball, but there's no doubt that's had a massive influence. Him being able to be really good control of his game and know where his scoring areas are, but he's had a fantastic summer to the point where, because he can bowl some off spin, his name's starting to be mentioned at the next level, which is a little bit rapid, but he's in great form. Yeah, and, and that occasionally happens where a guy hits a, a streak over a summer and then all of a sudden finds himself uh, playing for Australia. Well, our boy Spencer Johnson's well, that's similar. Yes, that's what I was going to mention. So he, Spencer Johnson had a six for in the second innings, got six for 87. Uh, outstanding to see this West Orange kid 
get some wickets. It really is, Bonds, because I think he had a bit of a trouble in the Big Bash getting wickets. I think yeah. his bowling and his economy was outstanding. He didn't take many. Yeah. And then the first things I don't think he got one. But then once he had the breakthrough, to get six, he was bowling quick, in swings to the right-hander, uh, and he's competitive. I just really like the makeup of Spencer. He looks like he's going to be a seriously good bowler for South Australia. He should have got one in the first innings. Um, he had an it, LBW it was that was absolutely stone cold plump. I, yeah, we still don't know why the umpire. The pro, umpire would watch it back and go, "Yeah, I probably should." Do you know what I, I was thinking the other day? I was backing out of the car park and I was thinking about that. Hmm. That first class careers, international careers, the potential to go up can be decided on a lack of DRS. So true. So, sometimes at the international level, you could get saved by a really bad decision by going to DRS. You don't get that opportunity in international. And all what do we do? First thing we go to is batting average. Yep. And we don't care about the how, we just look at the number. And that's the, my criticism. At the first class, it's a high level. I know it's a very costly exercise, but that's yeah. how finite. Like Spencer Johnson. Well, one cricket's always been swings and roundabouts, hasn't it, with umpiring decisions? Well, we're going to talk about AFL umpiring decisions. But I'm with you. I think yes. you, you take the good with the bad. It does level itself out. But yeah. uh, really well done to Spencer Johnson to uh, come in and have an impact. Disappointed with South Australia to take a step back. Yep. That was a deck that had juice, and the Junction Oval generally doesn't. Like mm. Marcus Harris, Bukowski been making runs for fun at Junction Oval. That was a good competitive deck. Yeah, it was a, a good cricket wicket. Uh, in the second inning, South Australia bowl out for 190. Ben Menenti made 82. He was – I don't know if you saw him get out. He was batting beautifully. He was going on to make 100, and he was about to face up to Fergus O'Neill uh, – sorry, to uh, Mitch Perry. A seagull flew across the pitch, right? So Ben Menenti's backed off. And he hadn't played a silly shot for basically his whole innings. Next shot, chased a wide one, Nick, off you go. Oh. <laughs> so they actually called the – I think the um, uh, commentary was something like, and the seagull gets a wicket. <laughs> but what about that positive there, Bonds? Mm. There's three players that spring to mind that have been successful for South Australia this year. Yep. Oh, probably four. I'd consider Buckingham a really success, especially at the start. Yes. Daniel Drew's a success. Yes. Spencer Johnson's a success. And Menenti. Like, he's been a – Borderline first-class player. He, yep. He's all-round capability. Him and McAndrew have both been fantastic. Well, he batted six Menenti in this yep. game. So that just shows the faith that Dizzy Gillespie and his team showing in him. In the end, uh, Victoria win by 177 runs. Uh, Matt Short made 189 for the game. So there's the difference. Matt South Short. Australia, uh, third on the ladder. Yes. They have played a couple of a game extra than other four states, but fantastic with what – Improvement to be that close. It's now in their control. Yeah, there's, there's two, games. two games left, and there's still a chance to play in the final. So uh, it's not season over by any means, but uh, just a bit disappointing. They've been playing so well. Can you believe New South Wales have played seven games for no wins? Uh, yes, I can. In Shield, they've, which they've, did cost the coach his job. A, yeah, there is a few um, a few gaps in that New South Wales team at the moment. They're on a rebuild. They know that, um, and a couple of their guys are playing in other states. Guys like Henry Hunt, guys like Ben Menenti. Yep. Um, Jordan Silk down in Tassie. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's quite a few. Can't forget Jackson Tassie. Bird down in Tassie. You never let me do that. <laughs> uh, Test cricket. I want to I ask you about the guys that they're sending home. A, we heard today that Agar's flying home. Dave Warner's flying home. He has a fracture in, in his arm. Um, Pat Cummins has flown home for personal reasons. Could this tour get any worse? I think it could. That's the weird part. I think that it's been a train wreck. And when you start trying to justify errors and start trying to explain decisions you made, when they were clearly wrong, then you're under even more pressure. Because you don't want to admit halfway in a tour that we didn't get the prep right, but there are experienced cricketers who have toured that 
country and that part of the world and know what it takes to be able to perform. And we weren't ready for that first test. It is patently obvious. There were players playing in the Big Bash five days before the first test. Yep. Tell me that's the preparation for number the number two test nation. Is, is that is that a is that a bit about uh, world cricket at the moment? The, the players are just supposed to be good enough to jump from white ball to red ball. I think that we gave way too many liberties. Now the big bash is a key feature in our summer. Don't get me wrong, I love it. And as an organisation, you would want Steve Smith playing as many games as possible for the Sixers to progress. There's no doubt. But the Australian Test team was what we all really ride off as cricket fans, and to go over there unprepared and. The Hazelwood injury, it's unfortunate. Maybe they thought he was going to come right, but we took 18 over there. How many we sent him back? And we look, we've already parachuted Kuhneman in. And I've never known of an 18 man squad to go over any two. No, that's so a lot. It, and it's unfortunate. Warner's injuries are an accident. And then you couldn't project or forecast yep. for that. But when yep. you've parachuted someone in in Kuhneman, and not to say it was the wrong decision, mm. and then Agar goes home, I feel really, really bad for Ashton Agar. You can yes. judge him on his cricket, but that is humiliating what's happened to him. Yep. And I, I find that unacceptable from a management perspective. And then he'll go back to play the one days, which, again, is ridiculous <laughs> to me. So I um, hope, hope they're flying in first class. I'm sure the they thing are. thing as well, like you, oh, it was 20 minutes of cricket. And it, was, you know, it was diabolical. It was it lacked resistance and it was a bit of a like cavalier type of approach to test cricket. And uh, – I, I love it. I get probably too wound up because I love it so much. But uh, and I don't expect them to win all the time. But I get annoyed when I see a lack of commitment and especially a lack of preparation when you are full-time professionals and you are on a very sizable contract. as players, and this isn't their fault, yep. if the management were prepared to tolerate a poor preparation. Somewhere along the line, high-performance management coaching have to look at that and say, could we have looked at it differently and done it better? There you go, Cricket Australia. Uh, Jade Rawlings is the man uh, you need to get on board. Um, I want to talk to you about your footy club. They've done something really good. Uh, they've released a doco. It's called Fortis, and it's about the last week of your season last year. Yeah, it's uh, incredible, really, Bonds. I, I got approached by the CEO during the year, and our CEO, James Fantasia, for anybody who knows him through footy circles, knows he's a very uh, macro thinker, uh, really energetic guy and always got ideas. And he mentioned the possibility of doing a docker at some stage. And I don't think it was projected for 2022, but when the opportunity arose after we beat Adelaide in the prelim from eight o'clock on the Monday morning through to the festivities, we had a young man called Miles McEwen follow the program around. And part of what I do during the week, he was there everywhere. And it was 20 hours of vision about it condensed into an hour and a half. And we had the premiere on Monday night and it was incredible viewing. And then we, Presented again last night at a cinema at the Regal Theatre in Kensington. Um, our firm members and supporters. I was so overwhelmed, Bonds, to stand up in front and be introduced to our people off the back of what the club achieved and to see them all there so excited to watch their club. It, one of my great moments in footy. And it sounds melodramatic, unbelievable. I got really nervous. I had my yep. two daughters from Melbourne fly over for it because uh, they couldn't make Monday night and my two youngest children came along and uh, to be able to have them as part of it because there's two bodies in my life. My, my family in Norwood. That's yes. all I live for at the moment. I've got so many friends I love and love a good time and all that but those are two things I care about the most and for those to be combined was unbelievable and I'm so proud of our club for doing it and uh, yeah, the foresight. We Most people get a, doc, uh, sorry, a DVD as a replica of memory yes. of the grandfather. We had documentary. So yep. we're, I'm so grateful that we got this done. 
Um, was it intrusive? Did you feel it was intrusive at all over that week? Because it can be quite, you know, the whole year's gone along and all of a sudden you've got a guy with a camera in your face. It's a really good question, Bonds, because not one bit for me. Like I'm, I'm very open. If yep. people want to come and watch us train, they want me to talk about what we do, I'll tell you everything because I believe in it and because I'm so passionate and believe in it, how we do it, it comes out on field and hopefully it's successful over time. But it did not matter where Miles was because if we're going to do it, we're going to do it the right way. And it has to be access all areas. Otherwise, a hybrid version, people go, oh, geez, we could have – wonder what really goes on. Or they could have had the opportunity to show us more. So there's stuff in the rooms of me pre-game talking to the players, our players talking to each other. Half time they came in, there's stuff they used out of there. And I'm very clear, remember it all. I love that they showed that bit. Uh, so there was terrific capture – uh, interviewing of players, of uh, major sponsors, of president, of Wolf Blast, who's been an yes. incredible contributor to our club. So uh, thanks for bringing it up because it's a big deal. And, uh, yeah, really well done to the club, but also Miles McEwen, who's an emerging young man with uh, filmmaking. Sounds great. So Norwood fans and probably Sandful fans probably want to have a look at that as well. Uh, I believe the club is working on how they will release it, um, whether it's, you know, live streaming on the or, or on the website. or the, well, you, You'll hear from the club how you can watch that if you've missed I'm out. Sh- that's the point it's out. Just trying to work through how we, all our people can have access to it and the broader footy community, whether you're a Nord supporter or not. I think it'd be of yep. interest to people who just want to see a little bit more behind the scenes how it all works. I'll be watching it. I want to see you swear. <laughs> coming up on the show. Not now. Coming up on the show. <laughs> Matthew Egan from the Geelong Footy Club and James Raleigh from the Adelaide Football Club. This is the summer edition of Sports Day SA. You're listening to the summer edition of Sports ASA on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Paul Bonser here with Nord Footy Club coach Jade Rawlings. Um, Twig, uh, we've had a, a pretty good start and we've got James Raleigh and Matthew Egan um, coming late, oh, later on the show. Sorry, can't talk. Uh, but we are looking after the show for David Woody and Malcolm Blight. They will be back two and a half weeks now. It's not long. So do we get the chance to work with the great men? Um, bring us in at some stage. Just to do well, I, I was to hoping from them. I was hoping that they could bring us in. I don't know, a cake or something, for looking <laughs> after the show over the summer um, while they're you know playing golf and having a good time. Um, all right, let's get get on to the next uh, hot topic and the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. That's who's bringing us this topic. Sports Day SA. Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Now, this will get you fired up, I'm sure. Four umpires. The AFL have come out and announced they'll increase the field umpires from three to four, claiming that this will improve the standard of umpiring. Yeah, I feel as though it's more prevention of injury. Okay. Yeah, I've just got a different take on it. They cover a lot of territory. Yeah, so they've said that as well. So they're going. They're currently running all about sixteen k's a match. That'll drop down to ten. Yep, and hopefully that'll allow them to be the best umpires to keep. Possibly get two games a weekend. That might even happen with a spread of Thursday through to Sunday. But my concern would be the interpretation. This game is so hard to umpire. So now we're at another layer of interpretation. And forever in a day, you're saying with your cricket background, people look for consistency. It is hard. And you've got three umpires to know who's going to pay what and what you should 
be, the tone should be set for that day. But when you've got four, that's going to lead to some frustration initially. But I think people won't even notice there's four out there. I think they'll work seamlessly together. They're well coached. I've got a great mate who works in the AFL umpiring department. He's a great man and he really respects how they go about their coaching and their umpires. And, yeah, hopefully it's seamless because I think it's a proactive move. But hopefully it's seamless. Is there enough? Is there enough talented umpires to fill the gap, or or, or give, or or is it just going to be as you said that because they're running less Ks, they can do two games? They tried maybe a Thursday and a Sunday. I think so. These guys will come off the ground thinking they haven't played it, run out of game. If they're sixteen down to ten, that's a significant drop. So that's a possibility to utilise the best a bit further. I think we should never underestimate the exuberance of youth. Every time we think yeah. there's no one else out there, there are young people out there emerging in all fields of work, life, sport. They're out there. People just got to go find Gives them. Gives people so more opportunities. Hopefully people get unearthed with this and all of a sudden they go, oh, yeah, didn't expect him. We'll be this year. We'll all have one or two players from our clubs at AFL level and SANFL go, oh, I didn't know about that guy. We're internally, you've probably known they're developing. So it's just the unknown. People just assume that that's the cap. There's no other talent out there. There it is. Some news in AFLW, uh, the trading – four new clubs who came in last year, Essendon, Hawthorne, Sydney and Port, they're going to have basically free picks before the draft comes. So Essendon will get two players, Hawthorne will get three, Sydney five, and Port Adelaide will get an additional two list spots, uh, three players. Uh, they will be able to pay relocation fees and reimbursement to players for moving into state. Uh, and they'll get an underage player as well. And Sydney getting a fair bit of that as well. It, it seems like they're trying to even up the competition as quickly as they can. Yeah, parity's a big thing they're trying to achieve. There's no doubt. I think when North Melbourne came in about four years ago, the amount of uh, call it luxuries they were afforded to have a good go at being competitive straight up. And then there was two conferences and they ended up in the lighter one. So it's how you maximise those. If it's going your way to try and achieve parity, then... Go for gay artists as a club. So Chloe Malloy looks like going to the Sydney Swans. That's a big deal. Sydney probably lacks star power from what I could gather last year. That's a serious player straight up. Yep. So I think for the health of – because what that competition, which is emerging each year and growing, to have three teams down the bottom that don't win a game or win one, it's unhealthy for the competition. Clearly the AFL don't want that. So it's just the – I reckon the clubs that have done a great job to recruit and have become strong, they will get agitated and frustrated how many – handouts are coming to those other clubs at the cost of what they can do themselves and lose good players. That's the other thing, the lack of what you get back for Malloy. That would be annoying for them. Yeah. You don't mind it though? I think for anything that's going to create greater competition, it's healthy. And I think that to try and – they're not full-time. So for mm. Sydney to lure up a high-class AFLW player is a big deal. Like what Franklin did and Barry Hall and Tony Lockett were able to do in their day. They brought the game to life up there. New year means new gear at Toolkit Depot. Toolkit Depot, your one-stop shop to get back on the tools. Other news just released today, Twig. Cameron Smith will be allowed to defend his British Open in July after tournament organisers have said that the Live Golf golfers can play. Well, I hope he's well received. Good news. He's a star. Coming up on the show, James Raleigh from the Adelaide Footy Club and Matthew Egan from the Cats here on the Summer Edition of Sports ASA.
Welcome back to the summer edition of Sports ASA on Cruise 1323 and SENSA 1629. Paul Bonzer and Twig Rawlings with you. For, um, I get, Twig, it's been a good show so far, but we've got a couple of guests coming up and one no bigger than this man right here. And he's thanks to Matt, uh, Mate, Mate Pocket Change Mobile Plans with Mate. It's uh, from the Geelong Footy Club. Matthew Egan, welcome to the summer edition of Sports Day SA. G'day, Paul. G'day, Twig. How are you guys? Good, Ego. Good to have you on, mate. Um, now, I just want to ask you, basically, uh, after last season's success, how have the boys bounced back for this preseason? Yeah, it's been a good preseason. Um, a little bit different to probably the year before. Um, uh, obviously, starting a little bit later and uh, the layoff, it went really quick. Um, we had two weeks, really, of full training. Uh, before the three-week break over Christmas and then, you know, sort of a good four-week block of training and then you sort of into intra-clubs and uh, we get our first practice match uh, against Hawthorne tomorrow. So it's gone really quick, to be honest. And had, Ego, as head of development, how does it operate at your system with a, a group that went all the way last year and quite a mature age group at the, in the senior level? How does it, the program get managed when it comes to first and second year players, new draftees coming through? How do you guys balance all that out? Yeah, uh, we're, we're, we're pretty top-end, obviously, in the AFL, and then the VFL, we're pretty young. So it's actually the biggest academy group um, I've ever worked with. We've got 17 uh, in the first three-year guys. So um, we we obviously spread them out. Uh, the first year's a sort of 70 to 80% load, um, but it also depends on uh, how their two previous seasons in the AB League and interstate sort of leagues go. Um, if they've had some niggles, it could be slightly less. If they've played every game and haven't missed a beat through those times, sometimes it's slightly more. Um, and in, once they're into their second year, if they're progressing really well and there's been no issues with injuries, um, we sort of let them go. So third year is obviously just um, still learning a few little things around their habits and, and leadership and things like that. But um, we treat them all differently, to be honest. If if they're coping, no worries. Um, their bodies are fine, and they're showing no signs of fatigue or, or stress. Um, we sort of progress them pretty quickly. So, how close do you keep eye on that data, and, and do you get data from their under 18s that's basically just giving given to the clubs across the board? Yeah, the recruiters um, have everything. To be honest, they've they've got um, anything from interviews with high school um, teachers to um, their local coaches, to um, obviously parents and things like that. Um, but yeah, they get a lot of data. Um, normally games played and games missed is, is obviously most important and missed through injury. Um, and then we progress it pretty slowly uh, once they start as Twig knows really well. Um, but if, if they're coping really um, with no issues and, and we've seen progress their bodies and they're handling the... The AFL rigors of you know it's, it's three really big sessions a week in preseason and plus weights um, plus you know uh, sessions in between those big sessions of craft and and low level skills. Um, yeah, we just treat them all differently. We get a lot of data obviously through high performance and sports science guys, and um, they just sort of send a weekly report on how they're tracking and. Um, you still got to back your eye a little bit. You still got to watch them closely, and and sometimes it's gut feel that he just looks a bit tired and stressed, and and things like that. And you might um, check the data and just to see if we've missed anything. But um, yeah, we've got obviously a lot of people uh, in, in an AFL environment that can sort of feed the information and and help you out a bit. 
You mentioned Ego as well about having 17 players in that one to three bracket. There's been no doubt a perception and possibly reality that there was a lot of mature age players on Geelong's list. There's also been a heavy emphasis in the last two years to, to recruit players from Geelong. Has that been a targeted practice or has it just been by virtue of where they've landed in the draft that you guys have been able to recruit them and bring them in? Yeah, um, yeah, it does feel like a lot. So in our academy groups, um, it's it's nearly half are from Geelong Falcons. Um, obviously, bringing in Ollie Henry uh, and Tanner Bruin, um, two two guys that are probably high end talent that um, had mentioned around wanting to get home. So that they're sort of ones that is probably the the advantage of being a local community and you know an hour and a bit out of Melbourne that they just wanted to get back to the surf coast and be with family and friends. And, yeah, this year's draft, we obviously had a few. We had a Cat B, um, which he, uh, Ted Close didn't get picked up by anyone, so we were able to take him as a, as a Cat B. So he's obviously Falcons, a father-son, um, which obviously helps. And then, um, obviously, with the trade with, with Gold Coast, we were able to get um, Jai Clark um, and Jack Bowe. So um, I think some some of it is twig. Like, if, if, um, if it's a... Um, there's two guys and they're, you know, identical. Potentially, um, they're taking, they're looking at the, the Falcons kid, but I don't think it's locked. I think every year will be slightly different, and we've got a lot of uh, spotters around um, everywhere, and the recruiters probably just every year just weighed up slightly differently. But this year there was a lot, yeah. You played at the Cats and then moved away with your coaching and spent ten years away from the club. Back at the Cats, do you think the time away? from Geelong has helped your development as a coach? Yeah, it does. Uh, the, the club's obviously changed dramatically in the 10 years uh, since I left. I mean, we are doing weights in a, in a shed in 2007 uh, when I was playing and come back and it's the best gym I've ever seen. So facility-wise and, and staff, it obviously changed a lot. But you do just need to um, get out and uh, learn new systems, learn off new coaches. I mean, I met so many great people uh, my time at Essendon, um, inc- incredible uh, club that just went through a, a disastrous five years. And I was there for all the five during the Asada scandal. And um, I learned more about myself, uh, about how to coach, about getting the best out of individuals um, around dealing with stress and anxiety and um, things like that through Essendon. And even though I spent five years there, it felt like uh, 10 years of learning, um, and I obviously got a great opportunity to coach Essendon for three games. Um, and then, yeah, going to Melbourne, obviously um, spent some great years with Twig there. And, uh, yeah, again, see a new system. Uh, they'd gone through a bit of a rebuild, obviously got some high-end talent, um, and I got to see that talent sort of start from scratch and then build their way up um, into a premiership team. So you just learn a lot Um through different people, different coaches, different environments. I mean, Melbourne just didn't have a great facility. Essendon had an amazing facility, but it doesn't matter sometimes. It just matters around what you're able to get done week to week and uh, and the people you've got in the, <clears throat> those environments that are that are pushing the players. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a great experience. And now I get to sort of put, put all the learnings, uh, hopefully, back into Geelong, which when you walk in, it, it's funny. You, you feel like you're walking in uh, into home even though it's a totally different environment, different people, you just feel really comfortable. And, um, yeah, it's got that weird sort of uh, homely uh, Geelong sort of community feel about it. And just on that, Ego, can you bring the listeners in South Australia about how intense the footy flavour is in Geelong? Like over here, everything's Port and it's Adelaide. 
and it's uh, got a lot of intensity to it and a lot of it get look, both clubs from training and their performances get critiqued and reviewed. How big is it in Geelong with the daily paper, the advertised down there as well? Yeah, it's it's it gets a lot of um, obviously the whole town is obviously focused on Geelong, but it's, it doesn't have a, a crazy intensity about it. It's it's quite a warm, um, supportive environment. I mean, all the boys don't need to hide in different um, cafes and things. They just walk around normally. Um, the people might, you know, say good day and things, but there's there's never any um, tension. Um, yeah, it's it, I haven't obviously lived in South Australia or um, Western Australia. The, the two teams sort of um, craziness of uh, how important footy is. Um, it's obviously really important here, but it's. Um, players are definitely able to switch off and they all live pretty close by to each other or, or down the surf coach, coast, which is only 25 minutes away. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a really nice environment. Not that I live here. Uh, I'm still in Melbourne, but, um, yeah, hopefully one day. Speaking with Head of Development of the Geelong, Geelong Footy Club, Matthew Egan. Matthew, uh, obviously there's a massive hole in your club this year. No Joel Selwood, who's been, I guess, the lifeblood of the club, though, the beating heart, if you want to call it. Um, is there? A, can you feel the difference without Joel there? Um, yeah, you can in certain um, aspects. He had a um, serious intensity about him um, his whole career. I mean, when when you played with him uh, and you're doing any sort of ground ball drill, uh, you knew it was a fight to the death. And he still had that um, last year doing rehab skills with a first year player. If he missed a kick, um, they would know about it if they were doing it with Joel. Um, so, he, yeah, if you're doing a hand session, you're doing morning craft and you're thinking it's fun, um, it turns pretty quick when Joel was around because he wanted to improve and get the best out of himself. So it's definitely, um, you know, definitely you're missing his intensity and how important uh, the little things were and about your preparation. Uh, but so many players learned so many things off Joel that, Hopefully now those guys are able to transfer their learnings of playing with Joel for 10 years um, to our young players, which which they are really well. I mean, Tom Stewart's learning a lot. Um, Mark Blitzarves, Paddy Dangerfield, they all got um, Cam Guthrie, Zach Tui. They got so much time with Joel um, that we feel like they're passing a lot of their learnings now onto the guys. Um, they're doing it their own way. You can't try to be Joel because you just won't get there. Um, obviously, just... He was born to lead. I was actually talking about someone today over lunch that um, it was like not many people just rock up and they're leaders instantly, and he was. Um, some just take years to, to learn the skill and the art of, of being a great leader, but he was just a leader right from the start. So um, we're not trying to replace him. We obviously just need new leaders to step up and do it their own way. And Ego, you did get the chance to play with Joel in 2007. I mean, unfortunately, that was your last year in AFL footy. Do you mind just bringing us in a little bit about your background? Like you, I think it was 50-odd games, All-Australia in 2007, unfortunately broke your navicular in the last round of the year and tried to get back to be part of that final series, never played another game. Can you tell us a bit about that that uh, traumatic incident and how it shaped you over the last few years? Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, it was, it was a, a career that went, um, you know, I grew up playing tennis and basketball and um, footy come around pretty quickly and I played one one year local and then one year VFL and then I was drafted so I hadn't played many games um, in total before I hit the AFL but being big and um, having some agility from my tennis and basketball background sort of transferred into footy nicely and 
uh, yeah, it sort of went really well in 2007, obviously heading um, a pretty successful year. The last game of the year against Brisbane uh, was playing on Jonathan Brown and I was in the middle of the ground at the Gabba, uh, which you know well, Twig, playing uh, many games there, uh, really hard deck in the middle. And um, I thought Jonathan Brown was going to jump at the ball, so I went to jump and he actually stopped and I got a bit of an extra lift, but I sort of twisted in the air and just landed awkwardly on my right foot um, and, yeah, just felt instant pain. It was right towards the end of the first quarter um, and went off strapped it up to try to come back on I just got sore and sore and um, yeah three days later had an operation um, yeah unfortunately didn't work out um, missed the grand final um, that year and uh, spent the next sort of three years um, trying to sort it out and fix it and um, had seven operations six operations on it during that time just to try to fix the navicular bone um, but just couldn't get it right. So um, decided in 2009, uh, I asked Bomber Thompson if I was able to get into some coaching. I knew that I was going to miss 2009. And he said, you can, but you need to do it full time and you need to do your rehab outside of um, outside of hours. So I did that and fell in love with coaching. I've always loved leadership and helping younger players. Um, but I got an amazing opportunity in 2009 to work with Dale Amos and James Raleigh, who's over in... South Australia now, um, amazing opportunity to, to coach and work with a great club and um, yeah, I've been coaching ever since so it was a really a great opportunity Bomber gave me and the club and um, yeah, there's a, obviously a sad part that I finished at 24 and uh, didn't get to play much but I've also, uh, I'm only 39 and I've been coaching 13 years so I see it as, as a real positive as well. Well, Matt, uh, we'll let you go because we do have James Raleigh on the on the line waiting <laughs> to speak to us. So uh, it's one oh, out. Amazing. So, uh, look, thanks for your time. Appreciate the chat, and hopefully we can catch up across the season as well. Best of luck. No worries. See you, guys. Do you want to go? Uh, Matthew Egan there from the Geelong Footy Club. And $1 per month for three months with Mate Mobile Plans. Make the switch to Mate today. Our next uh, guest, Twig, is brought to us by Tire Power. Think safety this February? Get the five-minute tyre safety check at your local tyre power. Sports Day SA. You're unbelievable. On Cruise 1323 and 1629 SEN And as we mentioned from the Adelaide Football Club, James Raleigh, thanks for being patient and holding on and welcome to the summer edition of Sports Day SA. Hey, guys. How are we? Uh, very well. How's uh, pre-season been for you? Yeah, no, well, it's been hot the last couple of days, but no, it's been really good. The um, the boys are, are, are rip and uh, rare, rare and a go, and we're pretty we're pretty fit, we're pretty healthy, so we're taking a, a full squad over to Perth uh, tomorrow. James, I heard one of your players say about a week, a week and a half ago, they were about to enter a really traumatising training period. Was that the plan? Always build them right up to this practice match phase to get the last bit of work into them for the season. Yeah, most of it has been pretty hard, but the last. Um, well, up until the internal trial, last couple of weeks were was was pretty hard. Um, Burjo definitely put them through their paces, but they got through and got them to the edge, but didn't go over the edge, which is nice. Um, yeah, so they've had a couple of lighter sessions um, today and yesterday, and yeah, hopefully they can have a good game against Rio. And what about you guys, the coaching group? How have you analysed your game from afar? Felt like feel like you guys are always 
about to break through last year and get on a momentous run and really break, have really know that you can beat everyone, then you will just have a bad quarter or a bad little period, which seemed to maybe dent the confidence of the group. Has there been many alterations from the game style or anything that you feel that the natural maturity should improve the game? Uh, yeah, a bit of both. I think we've, you know, yeah, as you said, we're pretty competitive for majority of game and we're in most games, but we let we did let ourselves down and that was different parts of our game. Our contest is probably our, our biggest strength, our effort around, around the footy. Um, we want to be a good, strong defensive team, so we obviously put a lot of emphasis on that um, with all our training, um, but we probably can get our um, biggest uh, improvement from from a lot of our offense, um, which we've been putting a bit of time into as well. Um, I think you probably say last year, even with the sample, we showed at times we were quite good with the ball, and I think we averaged over 100 points for most of the year, but probably didn't come into the AFL. So we think we've worked on that um, over the preseason, and um, yeah, we've got some some guys who are pretty dangerous to to kick the ball to now as well. And I think with your background at Geelong, it's pretty clear the contest and defence is always a pretty strong part of what underpinned Geelong. And that's why I feel Adelaide's absolutely on the right track. I feel like you're about to make the game easier on yourselves by being a bit cleaner and being able to just have passages of play rather than just be a, an error away from it going back the other way and having score from turnover against. 100%. Yeah, that's exactly what we're, we've sort of been working on, especially from turnover. If we can hang on to the ball a little bit more. We take a few more... Marks, um, we still want to want to be a contested team, as I said, and get it forward and, and put put the opposition defence under pressure. But if we can have a little bit cleaner ball at times and get some decent entries, I, I think our uh, forwards can take care of the rest. Now, you do look after the forwards. Uh, when it was known that Isaac Rankin was coming to the club, uh, you'd be a pretty happy man at that point, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I was, at every... End of every year, you think about maybe you should change lines, but then I, I changed my mind pretty quickly. <laughs> that one. Um, no, Isaac's been great. Look, he's been with the mids a lot as well, so he's been running through the midfield, obviously doing a lot of centre bounces along with um, Josh uh, Rochelle and Jake Saligo and Ben Keesman like. So we've got a pretty versatile group, and they're chopping and changing a fair bit, and um, and then coming back forward. So. No, they've been pretty impressive and hopefully they can um, yeah, take that into this week. So can Crows fans expect to see Rankin, Rochelle, uh continually get some mid-time minutes this season? Yeah, 100%. Yep, they'll definitely go through the midfield. Whether that's um, centre bounce um, at times or they get a longer stint in there, that's something we're probably still working through. But we've had a full pre-season with, it, with that and they've been... Yeah, swapping and changing and, and through the forward line and it's worked um, against ourselves. We've just got to see if it works against opposition. It's interesting. You've been a backline coach in the past and uh, certainly share war stories. You go into each week as a backline coach. If you're fearful of every position of the forwards, you're going to ask a, like a direct matchup. I feel that's what Adelaide can provide. One thing I'm intrigued with, James, is the, the semblance of the tools. So any given time, you've got to choose from Walker, uh, Tilthorpe, Fogarty, Gallant and Himmelberg. That's a competitive group of five guys. I would imagine looking for three spots. How's the pecking order starting to shape up for you? Yeah, I think we're getting pretty close. Look, Tex is still sort of holding down pretty well. Um, We'll we'll look after him this weekend and we'll we'll do that throughout the year. So Tex won't play every week. Um, I think he's coming around to that. I still have a lot of conversations with him about that, but um, he's a competitive beast and wants to play every week. But yeah, he, but he'll um, give opportunity for others. Um, Fog looks like he's going to continue his form. He finished off the year reasonably well. 
So yeah, Darcy's in in pretty good shape, and then yeah, the others are others are sort of fighting for for that position. We will obviously have a, a second ruck, and Riley Thilthorpe's been been really good at training, and his next step is really to take that consistency into games. Um, and again, he's probably someone that's champion the bit to play on some different opposition. Um, and Elliot Himmelberg has probably had the first year that he's been able to sort of get in the gym. He's had a lot of shoulder injuries, so he's actually been a lot stronger. It's probably the biggest part of his game he needed to work on, and he's had a ripping preseason. Not only forward, he's been really um, quite dominant in the ruck, so uh, yeah, he's been good. And yeah, Lockie Glant, um, he's that sort of third tool that can really jump at the ball, and he's worked on that and a few other parts of his game to be more versatile and sort of help him get the game in, in different areas. And then that lends itself to Rochelle Rankin rolls off the tongue at the moment before they've even played a game. But Lockie Murphy's dangerous. You've got Newchurch, Saligo. It starts to get pretty tight for spots. So do you guys see these next two games as an opportunity to really refine game style? But it's really competing for who's going to land the, the best 22 spots by the end of the second game. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And I think the boys know that there. And they're ready to go. And we're, as I said, we're, I think it's only, well, Tex is not playing, but I think Andrew McPherson's the only other one who's not available. So very, very healthy, which is a good thing. Um, puts the pressure on for spots. Luke Peddler's probably the only other one we haven't mentioned. Luke's um, had an amazing preseason. He's with me. He's, he's in attack. So um, I think the Crows fans are going to like Luke. And he dobs them from 60 occasionally. I saw him kick a couple of massive goals last yeah, it year. It may have been against Norwood from memory, Paul. Just, it was against Norwood. Memory, memory. <laughs> and the other thing, James, I don't, you may recall last year I saw you at Westlakes when Norwood played Adelaide in the last practice match. Seven goals to zero, 15 minutes in. And to me, I'm serious about this, the fitness of Adelaide will be a point of difference. Because yes. when you get a Burgess pre-season, you're fit. When you get two of them, you're seriously fit. And to hear how healthy your list is, James, you must feel you guys as coaches with great amount of confidence of what the, the whole group's ready to endure for the year. Yeah, no doubt. And look, Burjo has been fantastic. I do have to give it to the club. It's one thing that Adelaide seem to have always done well. They do train hard. The boys are set pretty high standards, especially with their fitness. Um, and I think that's been a credit to Adelaide um, over the years, and it definitely hasn't changed and seems to be handed down. Um, the Lions, because they do train hard and I, I think we'll be pretty fit and run our games really well. Before we let you go, a quick word on Jordan Dawson and what you think he'll bring to the captaincy. Uh, just balance everywhere, I think. Jordan, just even with the way he plays, he's a very defensive player, player but uh, obviously good with ball in hand and sort of the person he is, he's just a very balanced player. He gets along gets along with everyone, has great relationships with everyone. Um when he speaks, uh, the players listen. Um, uh, he's, he's fantastic. Since he's walked through the door, he's been very, very important to the footy club. And, yeah, I think um, he'll do a great job as skipper. James, thanks for, for your time. I uh, hope you have a successful week in Perth and uh, the season's not that far away. Best of luck. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. James Raleigh from the Adelaide Football Club. Thanks to Tyre Power. Selected Falcon Tyres at 20, 25% off. Twig, we're almost out of time, but uh, both those assistant coaches, it's good to get an insight rather than, I guess, media speak. They were pretty honest, both of them. They were, and that's the beauty when you can get some guests who are prepared to talk real stuff rather than feel like they're restricted. And Matty Egan's one of the great people I've met in footy. He's as good an educator of young men that I've worked with because he's able to get on their level. He's patient. He gets them to solve their own problems, and he's, but he's got a strong edge. And I'm re- impressed with Riley. I think he yep. knows footy. He's... 
been in a couple of good systems. And when he spoke, I've, I felt like there was really good, credible knowledge there. So it was really good guess, good good 20-odd minutes of chat there. Yeah, it was interesting to see that, you know, there's 17 kids at Geelong that are ready to come through. That's uh, scary signs for the rest of the comp. Oh, it is. And they maximised the Tim Kelly trade when Tim went to Western Australia. They were able to get some first-rounders. But this Geelong factory, the, the Falcons, uh, they've obviously got a good alignment with the Falcons to train them up and are they the right ones they are going to fit into our system will they be better suited staying at home in Geelong it's no doubt it's a factor and it's going to really serve them well it's been a great show thanks for your time Twig really appreciate it and thank you for listening to the summer edition of Sports Sports ASA for Kia the award winning seven seat Kia Sorento Kia's large SUV available now at your nearest Kia dealer